Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media, where we have a revival and travel back in time and then become the first band to go to the moon. That's right. I am Takeshi. (laughs) With me have Santos. And today we're going to talk about Erased. It was originally a manga and it started in June 12th, 2012, and it went till March 4th of 2016. It is eight volumes. It is written by Kai Senbei. Wait, I had my Google Translate up. Ah, uh, it sounded good. Kai Senbei. Sambuke. Or? Kei Sanbei. Kei Sanbei. Kei Sanbei. Like, it sounds so different. <laughs> sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> Kai Senbei has done quite a few different things. I've never heard of any of it, so don't ask. <laughs> I think most of it might have stayed in Japan. There's something called Island in a puddle, the genre is suspense. So they mostly do suspense That's manga? what he yeah, mostly does, I guess, I'm assuming. He is also married to the illustrator, Heshi Kanesada. Maybe that's who illustrated this manga. Let's see. I guess not. <laughs> oh, I thought they were a cool duo. Like, that would have been kind of cool. Do they work cool. on stuff together? Yeah, I don't see anybody in there. Unfortunately. And then we're going to talk about the anime, which was released January 8th, which is David Bowie and Elvis Presley's birthday, 2016. And it went till March 25th, 2016. It is 12 episodes. There is also a live action. There is a light novel, which was released November 2015. And then March 2016 is only one volume. And then there is another one called erased re or re and then that was released june 4th 2016 and then went till november 4th of 2016 it's one volume okay and here's the live action it was released december of 2017 and it is 12 episodes and it was licensed by netflix the anime was directed by oh boy tamaki ito a toy? Ito Tomohiko. And then here we go. Tomohiko Ito. Tomohiko <laughs> Ito. <laughs> I don't know why that's just so hilarious. It's just to me. so fun. Yeah, exactly. He's done Sword Art Online 1 and 2, which is very well known. Oh, The Millionaire Detective Balance Unlimited. I've watched that. I just didn't like the whole entire premise of it personally, but some people do like it. 
He's done another one called Silver Spoon, which I'm sure that's about rich people or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming. I don't know. It sounds like it, but who knows? It could be something totally different. Right. And then um, the music was done by Yuki Kaohara. Let's see here. You know what? I don't really remember the music too much, which is kind of weird. Kajiura Yuki. Yeah. Or Yuki Kajiura. <laughs> she is pretty well known. She has quite a catalog. Yeah. She's done Sword Art Online, Pandora Hearts, Subasa Chronicles, which I really want to watch those. Dot Hack, which is a really good, well, it's not that good, but it's okay. Demon Slayer. Yeah, she's done a lot. That's the music? Yep. Wow. So it follows this guy named uh, Satoru Fujinama. Numa? Fujinuma? Hold on here. <laughs> Satoru Fujinuma. And he's 29 years old, and he is aspiring to become a manga artist, but because he has no real drive or anything really crazy going on in his life, he really can't write anything that connects to people. He's guarded. Yeah. It's not like he doesn't have anything to talk about. He seems very, like, guarded and unhappy in his life. He's like a pizza delivery guy. And then he's just kind of disgruntled. He doesn't seem like he has a lot of friends. He doesn't really open up to people. Yeah, and sometimes it seems like he doesn't really care. Kind of apathetic. Exactly. Apathet yeah. That's that's the perfect. That's how we meet it. him. We meet him. He's like this kind of whatever kind of guy. The one person who talks to him in the kind of like a sweet way, his coworker, he's just kind of like whatever. She's weird. Irie. So she is just like this really bright. Kind of cheerful coworker who also delivers pizza, and we just see a small interaction between them. And he's kind of tongue tied around her, but at that point, it's like I don't think he likes her. He just seems kind of withdrawn and, and like socially awkward. And she's like the only one that gives him a chance here and there, and like treats him kind of more like a human. Or that's his only interaction with someone in the general public. Yeah, and then we find out pretty early on too that he has this thing that happens to him. Yeah, it's called revival. A revival. And the whole entire thing with the revival is electricity kind of forms and there's like kind of like an electric butterfly that kind of flies past him and it brings him back in time just before something happens so he can make it right. And it's just like five to 10 minutes. It's like very short rewinds. Like he gets rewinded and then he can, I think the example was like kind of like saving a kid from getting hit by a car, but he doesn't even sound really thrilled about it when it's happening. He doesn't know why he's doing it. He just seems like, ugh, like this again. Might as well do it. <laughs> yeah, like he doesn't have any fulfillment, it seems like, but he does end up in the hospital. Yes, and this is where he becomes friends, true friends, with Irie. Because she is the kind of the only person who comes to visit. <laughs> Not even his mom came to visit. You see, I watched this before, but I could not remember exactly what happened. She came, but she was like, I'm not going to sit around and watch you sleep. So she was at his house, like, making food. She's kind of tough. Kind of a tough mom. <laughs> but she is actually a pretty cool mom, Sachiko. And she wrote for the news. And I guess she's really good at detective work and she's able to put stuff together pretty well. And so the whole entire thing with this premise of 
erased is that there was this murder that happened 18 years ago from when Satoru was a kid. And he actually saw her right before she got murdered. And he always felt like that he could have fixed it. And his mom always tried to make him forget about it. But he's always kind of in the back of his head. I can't remember now why that came up. Something came up. The story came up again. And she said, oh, I I didn't want you to remember that. Because it was like a serial kidnapping Kidnappings happening happening in that town. There was a kidnapping that was about to happen, and they noticed this guy. Both of them did, and they're like, "Hmm." And that's where his mom remembered everything, and it was going to tell Satoru about everything that she thinks that happened. And then, blam! Something happens, and then Satoru is like, "I need to fix this." And then he revived eighteen years into the past to fix these problems. So he goes back to being like a 10 or 11 year old, but he's got his 29 year old brain. Like he's the present self, but he's in the past now and he's a kid again. And so it's really interesting to see like him having to relive that time in his life of trying and then trying to figure out how to prevent this kidnapping and murder and figure out who did it. And there's a couple plot twists in there. I kind of remembered what happened at the end, but then at the same time, I didn't remember what happened to Satoru at the end. And that was crazy. Mm-hmm. The present day, like when he's 29, it gets real crazy and suspenseful and dark. <laughs> and so, and then when he goes back in time, it's at a really kind of intense place. So I feel like it's kind of intense on a lot of levels. So it's a very suspenseful show. And like you said, there's a lot of plot twists. So it's not like, oh, and then he's like, I figured it out, done. Like it goes down some different ways. And he gets these other chances in that time period in his life to appreciate people and connect with people in a deeper way than he did before. Because when we met him, he didn't have friends. But then when he goes back in time, he's got these school friends that he was just being superficial with in some ways, I think. I think that's a good word for it too, once again, because he always trying to please people, but he didn't know why he was trying to please his friends and everything. Yeah, he just kept pretending so he could be, not that he was super popular, but yeah, like he wasn't exactly, that was well said. And then I think it also made him appreciate his mom more and connect with her more and their relationship got better. Because when you meet them together, there's some tension there in the present time, but in the past, he realizes you know, how much he cares for his mom. Yeah, and his friend Kayo, he's pretty smart for a, what, a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old? Well, because he gets to bring his 29-year-old brain back with him, so... But <laughs> but like, his friend Kayo yeah. is actually damn smart for being so young and everything. It's like, oh, damn. He figured yeah. shit out pretty quickly. He's like, who the f*** are you? <laughs> oh, you mean his guy friend? Yeah, his friend Kayo. Not- I thought Kayo was the girl. Kenya. 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 Yes, yes. He's like a genius. Yeah, he is really smart for like an 11-year-old, 12-year-old. You're right. I was like, wow. I can't believe how smart this kid is. He really has it together. So anyway, the person he's trying to protect and prevent from dying, her name is Kayo, (laughs) who I keep mistaking. (laughs) I keep keep calling everyone Kayo. Yeah, yeah, it's Kayo. Kayo. Don't worry, it's Kayo. 
<laughs> I just want to say there's a lot of like dark themes in the story. I mean, it's kidnapping of children and murder of children and there's like abuse. So that was kind of tough, but I knew it was like a mystery with things to be solved. So it kept me strong to follow through and continue watching it. It's kind of scary. At the same time, it felt like a slice of life. It did have enough slice of life because of his character development and connection with his friends and his mom. And you're right, there was a lot of slice of life woven through. So it's not just constantly feeling tense and uncomfortable, but it's kind of like weighing back there in your mind because there's like these ticking timelines of like him needing to figure things out and be protective. And he is only... 11. So it's like in his mind, he's 29 and he knows what he needs to do, but he doesn't have the agency of an adult. So he has to figure out how to work with adults and kids and to do this stuff. So that's what's interesting. I forgot how good it was. It was I'm surprising. really surprised that like I forgot about the series. I'm a little upset with myself, actually. Um. <laughs> how come it took us so long to get here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it is really damn good. Good. And it was so good. I almost watched the live action series. I feel like that would be scarier. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I could handle it in live action. It's so surprising how it ends the paths it takes to get back to the present moment of however it works out. It's amazing. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're so right about that. <laughs> I was like, wow. That just happened. Right. And then at the very end, I'm like, oh, something's still missing. Something's still missing. And then they bring it in and it's so good and it's so cute and sweet and amazing. It ends like a slice of life and it, it's the best. At the very end. Very, very end. They make you wait and then you're you're happy. Then all of a sudden they just give you like the cherry on top. It's great. <laughs> right. I think I'd recommend it. Just be prepared for some child abuse and some craziness in there. Yeah, there's violence. It's a serial killer, so it's going to be creepy. <laughs> like, There's some creepy stuff. It's pretty dark, but it's balanced really well. So I definitely recommend it. Yeah. Anyway, check it out, and we'll be right back. Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. M Network. And we are back, and we're going to talk about The Cardigans' first band on the moon. It was released September 17th of 1996. It was recorded from September 95 till June 96. The genre is rock indie pop, which that's pretty much true. The album is 39 minutes and one second. 
the label is Stockholm Mercury and is produced by Tor Jonasen, uh, Swedish names. He's also produced Aha, Eggstone, Tom Jones, OK Go, New Order, Bonnie Pink. So he's been around. He's got a knack for uh, sound, to say the least. This album is known for Loveful, and that has a ton of plays. That was their first single on the album. There isn't really too much about the album in general, which is kind of funny. It's just like, this album came out, Loveful was like probably the biggest song in the world at one point. It felt like it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it was on a couple different soundtracks. That's what I was thinking. It's like, wasn't this on a soundtrack? Okay, so Loveful was on Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio, Cruel Intentions, Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah, so there's quite a bit. The cool thing about this band, too, is no one's left the band. They've always been together. Oh, they stayed together for a really long... Oh, they're still together. They're still together. Oh, and who's in this band? <laughs> Let's get you to say all the crazy names. Nina Pearson, Ben Guy Lartenberg, and yeah, I guess he plays bass, and Lars Olaf Jonasson, and then Peter Sevson, and Mangus, uh, whatever. Okay, yeah. Sevson, yeah. Yeah, so they've stayed together the whole entire time. The album before it, I think is what kind of made them a little bit more popular because they covered another Sabbath song, which I played on our top five covers, and it was Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. This one also has um, some Black Sabbath connections. Of course, they covered Iron Man. And in Heartbreaker, the first riff in there is from the song Black Sabbath. Um, And then the end part is too. And I'm a huge Black Sabbath fan, especially like early Sabbath. It's so good. I should be on the list. (laughs) Oh my god. I love Black Sabbath. (laughs) They're like definitely just so ahead of their time and they were so hated back then, but we'll talk about that some other time. Not by the Cardigans. (laughs) I remember reading interviews and seeing interviews with the Cardigans and they've always said that they love Black Sabbath. Their favorite band in the world is Black Sabbath. And if they had a choice, they'd be making metal. <laughs> but they just don't. <laughs> they just have like this pop sound. Supposedly, the producer made them make albums like they have right now. And they carry it on. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but that's kind of like legend. Maybe it's like they're good at this. Like they're, they're kind of really like rock good pop. At it. That's what they're good at. They're not probably metal musicians, and her voice probably wouldn't work in a metal band. So. Yeah. I, well, you know, if you think about Ozzy Osbourne, he doesn't scream. That's true. And it's really weird. Like thinking about this band, and the, my first listen through, I was like driving out of Sonoma, and I was checking out a house in Napa. This is why I haven't been able to release episodes recently so quickly is because I'm busy moving out, packing, and trying to find a house. So I was listening to this album, and it was really weird because I felt like 
I was going through all these emotions of like, what the f***? And then anger and then confusion. And then I kind of got it at the end of the album. (laughs) (laughs) It it made sense, but it was like definitely like this, what the f*** is going on with this album? This is like making no sense. And then I realized they were like kind of the ultimate... 90s band. We always say like a part of the 90s is like this weird sarcasm in the music. And here's this band that is covering Black Sabbath songs, but making it really kind of like lighthearted. And like when you listen to some of the lyrics, the riffs, they could be really heavy and kind of crazy sounding, but instead it's light and poppy. It described it well because I was feeling like when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, it's kind of nostalgic. Like some of the songs had been on mixes that friends had made me. Loveful was just everywhere. I feel like that year. So it's hard not to just know it and kind of like it because it's familiar. And then I was listening to it at one point and be like, oh, this is so sweet and annoying. And, um, but then I listened to it again and I was like, they have like the weirdest sense of humor or something. there's something weird about this band um and it's so catchy and it's so light and i was like it's kind of like our slice of life anime as an album like because there's love and all this kind of stuff but then there's iron man on there there's that song losers it's really interesting yeah and it has these deep parts in it but the distortion is always held back and quieter than these really light little keyboard lines or whatever. It's really just weird. And then her vocals, it's right in the center and everything, but it's not dominant. And sometimes her voice is just slightly distorted. It's kind of like light and wispy. So it kind of just goes through the music. And I'll say the worst song on here is Loveful. (laughs) All the other songs I think are better. Definitely. Well, there's one song that just sounded so that time period. I was like, it could have been Cheryl Crow or anybody. Like there was like a certain sound of a chorus that felt really familiar that I was like, oh, that's just the time. But it wasn't bad. First, I was like undecided leaning towards, oh, I'll never listen to this again. And then when I listened to it and Bart was in the room, he's like, what are you listening to? (laughs) (laughs) But when I listened to it by myself again, I was like, I kind of like it. It's my secret, my secret album I'll listen to. I like their songs enough to put on different lists. Like, you know, bring you brought up the covers. Like now I have my covers playlist and I'm always happy it's on there. There's something interesting about them. There's something maybe tongue in cheek about their music. So it sounds cute and silly and like romantic sometimes, but it's just kind of a joke. Yeah. It's like, ha, you don't get this joke that we're doing right now. It's like, if you like this one part, you're not getting all of it. And that's what's really interesting about this band. Yeah, man. Do you have any songs on here that... Yes, I do. Let's Let's see here. Well, Heartbreaker definitely has that Black Sabbath riff in there, so I have to like it.
song man <laughs> so good yeah what was the other one there's so many weird things in this album that just like what the hell is going on i mean just the end of heartbreaker it goes back into that black sabbath riff so she's like oh no no because that's lyrics at the end of the song God damn, it's a really weird album. Let's see, Step On Me is pretty good, I thought. seems like it would be perfect for an anime right that's what i mean like the whole album and it's a good album as in it kind of just flows together there's no song on it that you're like that shouldn't be on here yeah like probably the one that stands out the most is iron man but it still fits well they covered it so it sounds like one of their own songs right (laughs) exactly so (laughs) so it's like that's why i'm so glad you brought it up for the covers episode because it was like oh my god so perfect they made it their own yeah definitely well the how i went back to this band again was from this youtube channel i was listening to it's called like one hit wonders or he has a one hit wonders segment and he mentions loveful and the album first band on the moon definitely was a worldwide thing but nothing else they released after this really I mean, the album after it kind of broke into the U.S. and around the world. But after that, they're just in Sweden. And they're still together. They took a hiatus. Yeah, I mean, their sound's pretty much the same. They're just an interesting band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting album. So it's not our normal. Our music that we go towards is more dark. Dark and moody and heavier, heavier. Yeah, and this is no, definitely this feels so funny. <laughs> but I, like I said, I, I actually like getting time with it. I was like, oh, I appreciate them. Yeah, I like them. They're fun. They're like a weird, dark sense of humor around all their very like sweet kind of sounds and stuff. It's very smart, like you said, how they are able to pull in riffs from. Black Sabbath or like who knows what other references they're making in some of this. I don't know all of it. I don't know if you want to play. I kind of like Happy Meal as one of their cute songs.
like a really smart sounding song. Who's writing all the music? Let's look. Oh, the first two people are heavy metal musicians. Are they really? Yeah, this is Peter Svensson and Magnus Svenningson. <laughs> I said the names, they start almost the same, but they're spelled very different. Both heavy metal musicians formed the group in 92. And then they have the drummer and the keyboardist. And then with her, and she didn't really want to be a musician. She just was bored. <laughs> she was bored, but God You know, like she didn't damn. really think she was doing. She's like a visual artist. Oh. That's kind of funny. But I just want to know who's writing. Yeah, it looks like Seven Son and Pearson. So she's also writing some of it. I guess the lyrics, you know, obviously. So Yeah. I just thought, wow, they're like you said about that song, there's something not formulaic in a bad way, but it's just like really well written songs and sounds. And I'm wondering, oh, I wonder if they write for other people. Looks like one of the guitarists written with uh Ariana Grande. That makes sense. Yeah. It seems like they have it down. Like they understand music. That's what it seems like they understand music and songwriting. An interesting group. Let's see. So Sevenson is, yeah, and Pearson is definitely. So I guess she writes the lyrics and then Sevenson writes the riffs. I have no clue how this all works out. I wish I could know a little bit more about them or. I wonder if there's any little documentaries about them. I could send you that one video I found of them from One Hit Wonders. It was a pretty interesting thing, but he gave some information, but there's not really that much about them, it seems like. like. super in-depth, yeah. No. I think the other song I liked was Losers, because I think it was kind of surprising. And then we probably don't want to play Iron Man again, because we already played it. song <laughs> right it has this but its sound is so familiar sounding like that yeah. chorus yeah like, oh it's so the close your eyes familiar. part or whatever yeah yeah, yeah like just the, how the i don't know the structure of the song oh yeah definitely i agree but then the content when you're here listening to her she's saying you're like what <laughs> <laughs> right it's like kind of dark <laughs> exactly so yeah highly recommend it if you're into that I guess I'd say that weird 90s aesthetic with a strange, like, pop sheen to it. Yeah, <laughs> they're very 90s. <laughs> they have, like, this other element of the 90s. But it's like they're making fun of everything that everybody thinks they are. That's what's really cool about it. I was watching this video. My bandmate, Evan, sent it to me. Uh, let me look it up really quick. It was on outsider music, 
and like how outsider music isn't for everybody, even though this has had a lot of plays and everything. Like Daniel Johnston, Johnson and Wesley Willis. That's definitely outsider music. And some people get it. Some people, sometimes it's really like lo-fi, but the writing, which is really incredible. This could be like a weird variation of outsider music in a way, just because of, do you really get what they're doing or, or do you just like it for loveful? <laughs> yeah, it it has like a pop sound, but it's like, do people who enjoy pop music really enjoy them because they have this weird twist to it? And then people who would never say like, I listen to pop music are strangely attracted to it, but then maybe won't listen to it because it's, you know, like that. Yeah, it sits in this weird place. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I think they're probably one of the most 90s bands I've ever heard in my whole entire life. <laughs> yes, because it makes me think of like even the aesthetic of the 90s where a lot of the women musicians who would wear like very cute clothes, but then make them kind of scary. So it's like, you know what I mean? So it's like that kind of... They'd wear those baby doll kind of dresses. Yeah, baby doll dresses, but then they have like black lipstick. And so it's like this mix of what you think goes together doesn't. So it was kind of experimenting with that. The 90s had a lot of that, it seems like. So I think you should check it out. Yeah. It won't offend you too much. <laughs> it's short. It's short. Um, I think, yeah, it's worth it. Explore the cardigans. Yeah. And do be warned, you will go through this like confusion, <laughs> hate, disgust, and then you'll kind of get it mm-hmm. at the end of the album. <laughs> and you might just have to listen to it by yourself like me so I can dance around to cute music. Yeah, totally. But also, if you're going to watch something intense, maybe your music should be more light. So uh, Definitely. <laughs> It balanced my week. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I all agree with you on that. Yeah, I remember when I finished the album, I had to call Santos just because I was like, what the f*** did I just listen to? <laughs> You're right. I couldn't get to the phone, and that was my message. Yeah. He said, this f- Cardigan's album. Click. Laughing. Because it's like, I totally know what he I saved that message at the plan. Wow, what the f***? If I listen to it or something like that, I can't remember. But yeah, that was just the first listen too. So now I'm like really into it and everything and I kind of get it more. (laughs) It's on the rotation. Yes. And they're definitely, some of their songs are in my liked list now. Yeah, definitely. I also want to explore more of their albums now. Yeah, her voice, that was something where it was like, oh, her voice so like a baby or something. <laughs> it's not like a baby. But um, yeah. later on, her voice, it's not as sweet. It doesn't change that much, but it didn't sound like as sweet. It's light and wispy, though. It's the only way I can explain it. It's just definitely just kind of there, and it floats along with the music. It's very yeah, weird. A th- a thir- I can't think of the Ethereal word. Or? Yeah, kind of like whimsical. Yeah, whimsical. That definitely. Ethereal. That would be the word. That's what I just said. <laughs> oh, did you say ethereal, though? Yeah. I thought you just said it kind of like whisked around. Well, <laughs> <Sorry>. wispy <laughs> kind of does remind me of like this leaf, the kind of like floating in the wind. Anyway. <laughs> Good image. Anyway, check it out. You could find me on all social medias at Glitchy Unicorn. And you can find me on some social medias like Instagram and Spotify under Sister Santos. All right. See you next week. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>